Welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast, episode number 221. My name is Mike Anello, and joining me today is Greg Anderson. Now, Greg is someone whose work you've probably used, if you're listening listening to this podcast, as Greg is one of the maintainers of Drush. That's still accurate, correct? That is correct. You are an open source contributions engineer at Pantheon. So to me, that job title sounds like you do a lot of open source contributing on behalf of Pantheon. Is that accurate as well? Yeah, that is correct. I was pretty much hired to do exclusively that. Um, But my job has morphed a little bit, and now I'm partially a regular engineer and partially an open source contributor. And then the overlap there is I also have responsibility for keeping track of all of the open source software that's running on Pantheon that our customers use. So there's a good synergy there. So I would assume, based on um, the work that I've seen you doing in the Composer initiative, that when you say you are a project engineer, that probably at least some of your project engineer work is helping clients set up their code base with Composer for use on Pantheon. That's yeah, just a guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's indirectly true. Uh, you know, we have what's called the developer relations team, and they work directly with agencies to help them solve problems. And we also have customer success. And you know, these are the people who will jump in if there's a problem, if you're opening up a support ticket. And uh, my official role is I am a member of the core engineering team, which sits in these structure just above the platform and infrastructure team. So platform and infrastructure does all of the bits like the Docker containers and all of the stuff that just makes the platform run. And on top of that, core services adds additional services such as the CDN, uh, disaster recovery, and all of the open source components that customers use are on top of that. So, um, you know, as part of the auspices of my position as a core engineer, I built things like the build tools workflow, which of course DevRel had a lot to do with um, you know, pushing that forward and, and maintaining that, and Andrew Taylor's still doing a ton uh, to write new code on that. Uh, but I've spent engineering time to like put these things together, and then we pass it off to DevRel and customer support so that our customers can really get the most out of these platforms. And a lot of times this work also involves in contributing back and making the base software itself better and more capable so it works right with our platform. Right. And when you say DevRel, that you're talking about developer relations. That's right. Yeah. That's our shorthand, a Pantheon shorthand for, for DevRel. I like their old name. They used to be called the Aces, which I thought was very appropriate. Oh, yeah. That's like a 50s uh, like greaser gang. Yeah. <laughs> with leather jackets and stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So today we are going to be talking about the Composer, the Drupal 8 Composer Support and Core Initiative. So in order to get there, let's hopefully level set everybody. Because I suspect that there will be some of our listeners who are building Drupal 8 sites just based on the, you know, the tarball that they download from, from Drupal 8. And they hear all of these things about Composer and how they should be using Composer, but they don't really see why they should be using Composer because 
you can download the tarball and everything seems to work just fine. So let's let's kind of level set everybody and explain to us in, you know, elevator pitch type of scenario, what is Composer and why should we care about it in Drupal 8? Yeah, so Composer is what's called a dependency management system. And basically, what it allows you to do is tell Composer that I need a certain project, like Symphony. And then Composer will go out and it will determine all of the different projects that were used in the construction of Symphony, and it'll bring it down to your local system so you can create your application. Now, back in the Drupal 7 days, Drupal had some external libraries. Every now and then you would want to use something like a WYSIWYG editor, and you'd have to go and download some stuff and put it into your libraries directory. And this was kind of tedious, but there weren't very many of them, so it wasn't that hard to do. Now, Drupal 8 came around, and you know, for those of you who remember this ancient history of four or five years ago, there was a big desire to quote unquote, get off the island and start leveraging some of the great work that was being done in the broader PHP community. And uh, Composer is the thing that really enables this collaboration. When Drupal decided that they wanted to use Symfony, this introduced a very large dependency tree, all adopted from Symfony of all of the various different components that Symfony was using throughout the Composer, throughout the PHP ecosystem. But there was also a lot of reluctance in the Drupal community at that time to just completely change the way things were doing, the way things were working. So what the Drupal core committers decided is that they would use Symfony and they would use Composer to bring Symfony into Drupal, but they weren't going to expose Symfony to the end customer. Instead, they would just jam all of these components from Symfony into the tarball, and Drupal would just do everything for you, and no one would need to worry that it was even there. You just untar the tarball, same workflow that you always used to use. If you do a Drush PM update or a Drush DL, um, these commands under the covers are just downloading and unpacking the tarball. So all of this stuff just keeps working. So Drupal 8 came out, and they're like, yeah, we solved the Composer problem. It's done now. You can use Composer, <laughs> and you don't need to change your workflow. Drupal 7 stuff still works. And that worked absolutely perfectly until contrib modules came along and started saying, well, hey, we want to use Composer too. And we've discovered some other really nice modules that we would like to pull in that aren't already part of Drupal core. So how do we do this? And the huge problem with Drupal 8.0 is that absolutely no facility was provided for modules to use Composer. So people had to pull out a crowbar and start doing things like Composer Manager, where custom code would just go in and try to make the dependencies come out right so that you could live in the tarball world and also live in the composer world at the same time and somehow not have your site catch fire. And, uh, you know, for some people this worked and for some people it didn't, uh, but it did cause a lot of problems. So to address these problems, the community came along and said, hey, let's solve this with uh, the third-party components. This is Drupal Composer, Drupal Project. And in this project, everything was 
reimagined, reimaged, and Drupal was fashioned as a composer dependency that you could include into your project. And uh, people have been using these third-party components to build composer-managed Drupal sites, solving some of the problems that were introduced with the partial implementation from Drupal 8.0. Um, and this has been working fine, but now the composer supporting core initiative wants to circle back and take all of the learnings from these uh, community projects and bring them back into Drupal core. So by third-party projects or community projects, you're talking about things that exist on GitHub in an unofficial way, but are sort of considered a best practice. That's right. The, the goal or one of the goals of comp the composer support and core initiative is to take all of that stuff that's on GitHub and learn the lessons from it, refactor it, reimagine it, as you said, and actually bring it into drupal.org in an official way. That's right. Before we dive into that aspect of it, you know, something I've always been curious about, and again, I have not been able to get a really clear feeling for this, but Composer is itself an open source project. Um, how large is that Composer contributor community? Or is it is it maintained by just a, a handful of people or is it a large thing? Like what, how does that feel? What does that look like? Uh, Composer has a very large number of uh, contributors. It, it's maintained by just a small number. Um, I haven't counted, you know, like two to four or so main contributors. Um, but there are many, but we can like, you know, zap on over here to Composer, Composer and GitHub and, and look at the contributors. And uh, we see that Celdec and Natterman are the top two. And Alcohol I see a lot of is number three. And um, I'm not quite so familiar with Igor W, but he's got a ton of commits, and from there it sort of falls off. Well, I mean, and it's one of those things where, I mean, is that including... Oh, those are just the, the core committers. I wonder if there's... Because, like, I mean, there's hundreds of people who, who just do a small number of, of contributions. The page just goes on and on, and GitHub isn't showing me a total, but the first page has 100 people on it. Okay, so it's a significant community. It's not like we are betting the future of Drupal on an open source project that that just has you know a small handful of contributors. And I I, I, didn't, I didn't think that was the case, but it's always comforting to know. <laughs> and, and beyond that, if you just pick a random PH, open source PHP project on GitHub, just about every single one is going to have a composer JSON file in it. Just everyone has adopted PHP. Um, there's only a, a few holdouts like WordPress isn't really going there yet. <laughs> well, WordPress has something called, is it, um, oh, I always want to call it Backbone, but it's not Backbone. W WordPress is something akin to... Bedrock. Bedrock, thank you. That's right. Much. There's actually a number of community-maintained... Composer templates for, right? Composer templates for WordPress, right? And and twenty five percent of Pantheon WordPress customers are on Composer, um, which is you know a, a pretty large factor considering that there's really nothing like Drupal's um, commerce module that is forcing a large number of WordPress people into Composer, like is happening on on the Drupal side. It's kind of voluntary, and and we still are seeing these large numbers. All right, so let's let's get to the meat of the discussion here. Uh, the composer support and core initiative. So you kind of laid out the case for it already. 
as to what the, the initiative is all about. Um, let's dive in a little bit closer as far as like, what are the, the, you know, I don't, we don't need to know every single goal, but because I know there's a bunch of them, but like, what are kind of the top goals of this initiative? What are we trying to achieve? Well, the number one goal is to make Drupal tarball downloads on drupal.org composer ready from the very get go. As soon as you untar it, it becomes composer ready. Now, what does composer ready mean? Uh, the first thing it means is that it's optional to use composer. Composer is not being required in Drupal 8.8, .8, and it's not being required in Drupal 9, uh, but we are composer ready. Um, so if you're not using Drupal, you can keep using Drush DL and Drush PM update, and it's going to replace your tarball, and everything's going to be just fine. But at any time you want, you can switch over and make your site composer managed. If you take a brand new tarball, all you need to do is run composer require and name your module, and it's going to be added to your top level composer JSON file. And if you run composer update and there is a new version of Drupal core or a new version of some Drupal module that you composer required already, then composer is going to go out and update those things correctly. So there's no conversion that has to happen. Your, your site. But it's not, it's not like when you, when you make that switch that you can't go back and use Drush DL, even though it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do that. Well, it's sort of a one-way trip, actually, because if you switch over to being composer managed and then you run uh, Drush PM update, it's going to blow away your vendor directory and, and it's going to erase the things that you added in with composer because Drush DL is going to take the tarball, which has only Drupal and none of your extensions, and it's just going to replace it. So, so we're still going to be in a choice where you know you're composer ready and you can switch where you want, uh, but it's a switch that you have to make. All right. I, yeah, I, I was not thinking about the fact that if you, like you said, if you do that Drush PM update, that's going to update Drupal core, which is going to blow away your composer.json, composer.lock, and your vendor directory, and you're going to be back to just Drupal core. Right. So one of the neat things about downloads in Drupal 8.8, .8, and this isn't carved in stone yet because we're still pushing and trying to get there before the alpha deadline on October 14th, um, but our goal is to get to the point where when you download, you'll have the choice of downloading what we call a legacy layout, which has composer JSON and vendor right at the document root, or uh, we're going to have a new recommended layout, which is going to look like Drupal Composer, Drupal Project, where all of your Drupal is inside of a web directory and you've got your vendor and your composer JSON at the document, at the project root. I want to I put a pin in that for a minute because we're going to come back to that. Sure. Let's finish up with the goals of, okay. the, of the initiative. So cool. we talked about a composer-ready Drupal download. Um, we talked about, um, or briefly mentioned, um, well, actually, that's, you, you kind of touched on like an official version of the what is now the Drupal Composer Drupal Project template. Yep, I, I could restate that in a way to make it more like you know that's one of our goals, and that'll allow us to have the the, the alternate layout. Sure. Yep. Yeah. So you can talk about that, and then also talk about the the fourth goal, which I think is going to be important. The one that's listed in the rundown, which I think is going to be important for a lot of people who already have existing Drupal eight sites. So, so yeah, go ahead. Okay. So another goal is to provide an official version of the Drupal Composer Drupal Project. Now. We're not there yet, but we're still pushing towards the goal of providing 
alternate layouts for your drupal.org tarball downloads. And what that means is we want to make it possible for people to continue to download an existing tarball that has your vendor directory and composer JSON and index.php all at the project root. Uh, and we also want to be able to provide an alternative download where your Drupal root is relocated into a subdirectory and your composer JSON and vendor are outside of your document root and are sitting there at the top of the project root. And that's a, a really a, a preferable place to have them from a security standpoint because you don't want to allow people to use the web server to make web requests directly into vendor because there's occasionally security issues with that. So finally, if you have a existing site, we want to make it really easy to convert that into a composer-based site. And the cool thing is with these composer-ready downloads, the first step is really easy. If you just run Drush PM update, then Drush is going to download the new Drupal 8.8 tarball, and they'll replace your Drupal core the same way it always does. And suddenly, you're going to have a site that's composer-ready. And you could run composer require right into your existing site, and it would do pretty much the right thing. But you will have the issue of the fact that composer doesn't know about any of your existing modules. And uh, so we, we just need to provide a tool that you can run that will go through and look at all of your installed modules and themes and will compose or require them for you. And uh, Matthew, the Drupal user Grasmash, already has a converter tool that does this. And uh, you know we're going to also be looking at pulling that into core and making it readily available for everyone to use to update. So what what form is that tool? Is that a Drush command, a Composer plugin, a script, something else? At the moment, it is a standalone application on GitHub. Okay. So what's the thinking, though, as far as what will that event? Any idea? Do we? I mean, it might be too early to know, but <laughs> yeah, we haven't discussed it in the Composer Compore initiative, other than to say that we want to be based on the existing tool, and um, there are some edge cases that aren't handled by the tool yet. So we're hoping to cover some of those. And um, we haven't really decided what the packaging is going to be like, but um, there's been some progress in adding uh, Symphony console commands to Drupal core, which is a different initiative. But um, there are a number of commands now, like site install, and we might just make it one of those. All right, very good. So who, um, and obviously, like who, who's lead? Who's leading this initiative? We don't need you know to know everyone who's involved, but let's give a shout out to the people who are kind of the, you know, I don't want to say the brain trust, but the people who are putting a lot of work in and and and, and you know contributing a lot of time back uh, to the community. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, Ryan Aslett is the initiative lead, and also Paul Mitchum, Mile Twenty Three, has been doing tons of work on the Composer Initiative, um, you know, both in the period of time since I started getting seriously involved since DrupalCon Seattle and, um, you know, for many years before that. And Ryan is a, a Drupal Association engineer, correct? That's right. He is the infrastructure engineer for Drupal.org. And then I'm also aware, um, you know, Adam um, Fina Proxima is, is uh, a big contributor. And Matthew, uh, you mentioned, uh, Grasmash, you mentioned is a contributor as well. And there's a bunch of other people. Yeah, this all came together at DrupalCon Seattle 
it's kind of an interesting coincidence on on how it all happened. Um, I was coming into the sprint room with Moshe Weitzman, and we were planning on doing some drush sprinting. So you know, we went down and we picked a table and you know marked it all out for drush and set up our computers and we're getting ready to get started. And then Moshe made a horrible, horrible mistake. He got up and he walked away from the table. And while Moshe was gone, Ryan sat down next to me and we started talking about Composer and um, all of the issues that were going on with Drupal 8 and the 8.8 .8 deadline that was coming up and the goals. And you know, Ryan and I had talked about this stuff in the past and I'd done a little bit to uh, contribute uh, just a small amount though. Um, and so, you know, we, we were involved in this conversation and talking about a lot of interesting things. Uh, so Fenaproxima and Grasmash were, were nearby and they got called over and they were really, really interested in taking on some of these upcoming tasks to drive things forward in particular. Uh, Adam didn't like some of the ways that the Drupal scaffold component was designed or the way the metadata worked. And that was because things just sort of grew up where features were bolted on top of features. And so it kind of grew a little bit into an unmaintainable state. And he wanted to like clear the state and s start over with that. And um, so, you know, I explained that I knew a little bit about this because that's one of the original contributors to the Drupal scaffold project. And, uh, you know, I said it really supported what Adam and Matthew wanted to do, but I was busy and uh, wasn't going to work on this myself, but they could be right here and they could ask me questions. And <laughs> then somehow on accident, I ended up spending almost the rest of DrupalCon Seattle working with Adam and Matthew on rewriting the scaffold plugin and uh, getting the composer and core initiative aligned to meet the October deadline. So your involvement, we blame on Mosh because he was thirsty and needed a, a, a bottle of water or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure why he left the table. It was a horrible mistake. <laughs> well, thank you, Mosh. <laughs> super generous. <laughs> and it's just sort of a, it was just like you know the one the one more thing you know when you're an engineer it's like okay like I've got I've got these people started but I'm just going to do one more thing and then but then there was always one more thing and uh, we were kind of thinking that we were going to get a core committer review right at DrupalCon Seattle, but it turned out that the amount of work involved in reimagining the scaffold plugin was more than the pile of us could do in the days we had. Um, so it actually happened a little bit after. Let's talk about that scaffold plugin, but let's, let me introduce this a little bit. And this is when I give um, presentations or, or teach folks how to use Composer. This is normally where I start mm -hmm. in, in saying that, let's say we didn't have this Drupal Composer, Drupal project template. Let's just say it didn't, didn't exist. At one time it didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How would you go about building a Drupal site if you just had to use Composer from scratch? You know, let's say that, you know, we could, um, you know, that there was a, a Drupal packages as there actually is, and there was a Drupal slash core um, project like there is. Mm -hmm. You would fire up Composer and you you know do a Composer init, and then you do a Composer require Drupal slash core, mm -hmm. and that would basically end up with Drupal core 
in your vendor directory. But that's not really where you want it, right? So you need to have some sort of mechanism that you know generates a web directory. And then when you require Drupal core, it actually puts Drupal core in the web directory, but then all of Drupal core's dependencies actually belong in the vendor directory. So that's like one little thing that has to be done. And there's, there's a bunch of these little things. Another one, um, which is going to, you know, I'm going to lead right into the scaffolding plugin here for you, Greg, is the scaffolding files, which are things like the index.php, update.php, the htaccess, the robots.txt, all of those kind of files that are outside of the literal C-O-R-E core directory. If you do a composer require Drupal slash core, you don't get any of those scaffolding files. You just get the core directory. So we need a mechanism to somehow get those files and put them in the right place. And that, in a nutshell, is what the scaffolding plugin does currently for Drupal Composer, Drupal Project. But it has been reimagined greatly in the new, the, the, the Drupal core scaffolding plugin, which why don't you go ahead and, and kind of take over for me here now, Greg, and explain like what that is, what that does, and what I got wrong and what I just said. Yeah, you know, there are actually two different components involved here. Uh, one is called Composer Installers, and the other is called Drupal Composer, Drupal Scaffold. And these two components have similar and complementary yet different roles. Now, what Composer Installers will do for you is it'll allow you to name any specific Composer project or any specific Composer project type and instruct Composer to install it in some location other than the vendor directory. So one example of this is that the Composer Installers project is pre-configured to relocate the Drupal core project into a directory called core. And um, this is all well and good, except that Composer Installers only works on entire projects. So if you have an entire folder somewhere, you can make it a Composer project and place it with Composer installers, and you're fine. But Composer will not allow you to put a project inside of a project. So this is a problem for Drupal because the modules directory is inside of your project. So you can't... You can't do that, according to what you just said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> if, you, if your Drupal site is a composer project that's a dependency of your project, then, then you can't place modules inside of it. Uh, and furthermore, as I mentioned already, uh, composer installers will only allow you to do entire folders. And so this is where the composer scaffold file comes in because it will take these files that mostly live at the Drupal root, like index.php, update.php, the htaccess file, and it'll copy them into the root next to your core directory and your modules directory and these other things that Composer installers can place. That's part of like what this core initiative is, is aiming to do, is create official versions yep. of these Composer plugins that will be supported officially by the Drupal community. That's right. The scaffolding plugin, let's focus on that one, because I think that's the one that's easiest for most people to kind of, most people to, to understand what that actually is doing. That is committed to Drupal 8 core at this point. Yeah, so actually the, 
it's um, a little more complicated than that because there are now two scaffolding components and they achieve exactly the same purpose, but they're implemented in different ways. So the existing Drupal Composer version of the scaffold plugin is just a tool that will allow you to download files from a URL and place them at a path in your um, project. And, and that works. That's the minimum viable product. And the scaffold plugin itself, it knows what the scaffold files are. It has a hard-coded list of what Drupal needs. And if you want to change that list for any reason, like say you're on Pantheon and you have extra scaffold files, then you can either append to the list, or if you want to get rid of files that are provided by default, you can turn off the default list entirely, and then it's up to you to stay up to date anytime it changes, which is not so convenient. And then the other problem with it besides the issue of convenience is that it's not very performant because every single file it does a different http request and all of these go to the drupal.org site so anytime there's a drupal security release then the drupal.org infrastructure groans under the strain of all of these http connections hitting drupal.org as people are updating their composer-based sites so um, when we committed the scaffold component to Drupal core, we also reimagined it so that it would be more convenient to manage your scaffold files and also so that it would be more performant. The performance way is we have an advantage when we add the scaffold component to core is now we can relocate all of the scaffold files. So instead of being in there, uh, destination location as they currently are, we put them all in one folder inside of the assets directory in Drupal core. And that way, if you download just the Drupal core project, then you'll have all of your scaffold files available in your vendor directory along with Drupal core. So, so now when it comes time to scaffold, the scaffold component is doing a copy from one location in your project to another, which is a lot more efficient. So it sounds like the default behavior is that, where it's copying the scaffold scaffold files from inside the core directory to the web root. That's correct. And but you can opt in to the more robust scaffolding plugin, which allows you to add additional scaffold files or remove them. Or I know one of the examples that that I saw in the issue was what if you want to add a couple lines to the robots.txt. Like if you want to do stuff like that, then you need the more robust, full-featured scaffolding plugin. Yeah, that's that's correct. Um, and we're actually replacing the existing one completely. No matter you know whether you want to alter your scaffold files or not, you're always going to be using the same scaffold plugin. Uh, but if you do want to add a couple of lines to your robots text, you no longer have to hack core. You can now add an append directive to your composer JSON file and it will take a source file that you provide and append it to the end or prepend it to the beginning of robots.txt or any other scaffold file provided by Drupal core. That's awesome. Yeah, let's, let's pull ourselves out of the weeds from the scaffolding plugin okay. a little bit. Because this is something that, um, this next bit is something that I found very confusing for a while until I had that light bulb moment. So let's try and get more people to that light bulb moment much faster than it took me in much less time than it took okay. me. And that is, this is a, this scaffolding plugin is a composer plugin. Correct. Yet it's been committed to Drupal core. Correct. Which is itself, you know, is 
a requirement of a Drupal project, let's say. Right. So how do we, so, so the, I, I'm going to give away the answer, but, <laughs> I, but you're going to have to explain it anyway. Yeah. On Drupal.org, there is this, this thing. I don't, it's probably not just on Drupal.org. It's probably a bigger idea than, than just on Drupal.org called a subtree split. And my understanding of what this subtree split does is on Drupal.org, there's a process that can basically pull out parts of what's in the Drupal core repository and expose them as their own composer projects on packages. That is correct. Okay. So yeah. So, so yeah, explain it better than I did then. <laughs> right. So the Git repository for Drupal on Drupal.org is colloquially referred to as Drupal slash Drupal. And this is what is called in the Git parlance as a mono repo, which is to say a large repository that contains a lot of independent projects. Now, there's a lot of different ways to make something called a subtree split. You can go to bash and start typing git commands and um, split out one git project from the other. Uh, I guess I should say, what is, what is a subtree split? <laughs> if you have any git repository and you want to take any directory or subfolder of that repository and make it its own project, uh, there are git commands that will do that operation. And that operation is called a subtree split. It runs through all of the commits in your project and any commit that has at least one file in your the subtree that you're splitting out is added to your new project, uh, but only the files that are in the subtree that you're splitting out are included in the new project. So there are cumbersome ways you can do this just by running git commands. And there are also a large number of projects in the open source world that will help you, you know, manually create a uh, subtree split from an existing project if you want. And uh, there are also some projects that automate this, like Symfony is based on a monorepo and they have an automated subtree split process that runs on a regular basis. And the Drupal.org infrastructure also has an automation process that happens every single time there is any sort of release on Drupal.org, then the Drupal.org infrastructure subtree split tool runs. And anywhere inside of the repository where there is a composer.json file, the directory containing that composer.json file is created as a new project in the Drupal namespace on Packagist. Easy as that. Easy. <laughs> well, building it wasn't so easy, but using it is pretty easy. Right. But, but what that allows, you know, for let's, you know, let's drill down into like this initiative. What that allows this initiative to do is to commit things like the scaffolding plugin to the Drupal mono repo. But then someone, you know, down the line can basically do a composer require and I don't know the name. Is it Drupal slash? Uh, what's the what's the um, project name for the scaffolding plugin? Core Composer Scaffold, I believe. Right. So you can do a Composer require Drupal slash Core Composer Scaffold. That's right. I think that's right. Okay, and then that will actually add that plugin to your Drupal project. So, just out of curiosity, how many 
composer plugins are there in the mono repo, repo at this time? Are there that many? Are there just a handful? Uh, there is one unused plugin in the mono repo right now, and that is the scaffold plugin. Uh, but there is an RTBC issue to add a second one. Is that the cleanup plugin? That's right. Yeah. Give us the, ele- the elevator pitch on that one. I was, we were going to get to that one anyway. Yeah. So um, presently, Drupal 8 has a composer script, and it runs after composer install, and it goes through your vendor directory, and it removes files that might have security vulnerabilities, things that you don't need, testing components. And this is important for people who are running a Drupal site without a relocated document route where the vendor directory might be served. And it is a goal of the Composer in Core initiative to convert the script into a plugin and only include it from the new template projects so that if you have a relocated document route, you don't have to worry about it existing or running in your site at all. <laughs> There's a lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why you thought it was going to be, you'd be able to get everything committed by the end of DrupalCon Seattle, and now here we are. Oh, uh, well, we, we thought just the scaffold plugin would, would get committed. <laughs> we didn't think we'd be done with all of the stuff. So what do you think, when this initiative is all said and done, are there other plugins that you think will be in composer plugins that you think will be in Drupal cores or stuff that you guys have imagined, but you just haven't started working on, like what's the, what's the end goal for? Well, we also want to distinguish between a component and a plugin because presently inside of the Drupal lib Drupal component directory, there's a whole pile of components and all of these components, uh, are split out as separate projects, but they're not plugins because they're not composer plugins. What's an example of one of these components? Uh, there's an annotation component. There's a file system component. Uh, one really easy one that we were just creating right now is called the file security plugin. So at certain times in its lifespan, uh, during web requests or what have you, Drupal might choose to write an HT access file into some directory in order to protect it. Now that code also needs to be run by the new vendor cleanup plugin. And because the vendor cleanup plugin is a plugin, it cannot simply call into Drupal code. That doesn't work. It can only call code that exists in its own dependencies. So if we want to share code between Drupal and the cleanup plugin, then we need a component that can be substree split out in order to be required inside of the vendor cleanup plugin so that it can use that code at composer install time to protect the vendor directory. Right. So, it, yeah, it can be used both by composer and by Drupal. Correct. Wow. So, have we missed anything big? Well, we have missed the Wikimedia Merge plugin, which I don't know that we need to cover because... That is a, that's a pile of spaghetti is what that is. Yeah, it's a complicated subject. And for most people, it'll just disappear and they won't notice that it's gone. Uh, we haven't talked about path repositories. Uh, we haven't talked about the fact that the scaffold plugin is completely unused in Drupal 8.8 and Drupal 8.9. Um, at least unless you're running a, a composer project, but in Drupal 9, it's all going to change. And here's where 
where path repositories are going to come in. So it will actually be used when you're doing Drupal core development and the scaffold plugin will run at composer install time to place your scaffold files, which will actually be symlinks instead of copies if you're doing core development. But all of this is complicated and I don't know that, that everyone uh, needs to hear about it in a one hour podcast. <laughs> Yeah, so let's well let, let's let's paint with a broad stroke yeah. here. If you are, let's take three use cases okay. and just kind of give us look into your crystal ball here and and talk about what's going to change in the level of effort in very broad strokes. So use case number one is I have a Drupal eight site started from the tarball. I'm not using Composer. What's going to change for me in Drupal nine? Uh, nothing is going to change until you decide to... Until you want to make the switch. Yeah, until you want, decide that you want to do um, composer development. Use case number two is I'm doing Drupal 8 development. My code base is currently managed by the Drupal Composer Drupal project template from um, GitHub. What's going to change for me? We are going to have a compose a converter tool. And in theory, the converter tool is just going to look at your composer JSON file and switch your require statements around to use the new official components, rewrite your metadata a little bit. And if you're using a default configuration from Drupal Composer Drupal Project, it should just work and you won't notice any changes. Um, if you've customized your scaffold, configuration, we may or may not be polite enough to fix that for you, depending on how much time we have. Understood. And then the final use case is, I'm about to create a new Drupal 8 site. What should, what's the best thing I can do today to get me ready for the future Composer initiative stuff? You're about to create a new Drupal site and Drupal 8.8.0 is already out? Sure. In that case, you have two choices. You can download the tarball as usual um, and convert later, or um, to avoid having to convert later, you could use Composer Require and use one of the yet to be named official template projects that will replace Drupal Composer Drupal Project. That will hopefully be ready for Drupal 8.8. That hopefully will be ready for Drupal 8.8.0. Okay, so before you get kicked out of your pod, let me talk real quick um, about you recently gave a presentation at the San Francisco Drupal Users Group. Um, it's my understanding there's no recording, but your slides are available. But a birdie told me that you will be giving, if not the same, but a similar presentation at Badcamp, and that will be recorded. Yes, that is correct. So there is a short URL, g1a.io slash CIC, Composer in Core. And... Um, if you go there, you'll see the slides, and there's a link on the first slide to the session description at Badcamp. I will be updating this presentation to contain whatever changes have made uh, in the Composer and Core initiative uh, up until the time when the session is given. And then again, at the end of October, I will update the presentation again, and I'll be giving it with Ryan Aslett at DrupalCon Amsterdam. Okay, so fantastic. Let's uh, talk real quick about some Drupal Easy news coming up. Uh, the next session of Drupal Career Online, our 12-week best practice focused training program, begins uh, August 26th. So it may have already begun by the time you listen to this podcast. If you're interested in it, by all means, go to drupaleasy.com slash DCO. It's 12 weeks, three half days a week, 
all online, all in real time with me as your instructor. We also are continuing to do our monthly professional local development with DDEV workshops. Those are two-hour, hands-on, online workshops held monthly. The next one is scheduled for Tuesday, September 10th, and you can get more information about that at drupaleasy.com slash ddev. And if you are really into ddev, you can pick up my book called Local Web Development with DDEV Explained, and you can search for that on Amazon, or there will be a link to it in the show notes. Um, Some upcoming events. Uh, I will be presenting a half-day Composer Basics at Drupal Camp Atlanta coming up on Friday, September 13th. I will also be doing a full-day intro to Git and Composer at Cornell Drupal Camp, and that is Thursday, September 26th. And I will also finally be giving a half-day Composer Basics at Bad Camp, which is Wednesday, October 2nd. And as we just heard Greg talk about, he will be giving his... Um, Composer uh, support in core initiative talk at Badcamp and at DrupalCon Amsterdam. If you're interested in following either Greg or I or Drupal Easy on Twitter, you can do that at Drupal Easy or at Ultimike, U-L-T-I-M-I-K-E. And on Twitter, Greg is Greg underscore number one underscore Anderson. Greg underscore one underscore Anderson. Okay, so it's time for five questions where we try to learn a little bit more about our guests. So, Greg, name something interesting you do outside of Drupal. Uh, Something interesting I do outside of Drupal is that I am a performer in the Great Dickens Christmas Fair. This is something that I've done with my family for about 17 seasons now. Wow. And uh, basically, we dress up in Victorian clothes And we hang out at Mr. Fezziwig's Christmas party, which is the best party in all of London. And we dance with each other. And unsuspecting patrons wander in off of the street to watch us. And then we walk up, ask them to dance. They say, I don't know how to dance. And we say, ah, but I can teach you. And pretty soon they are dancing. So is this a one night thing? or It sounds like it's over a period of time. (laughs) Oh, yes. The Great Diggins Christmas Fair runs for like five weekends running. And uh, basically, I get up really early in the morning and curtain is like at 10 a.m. And then I dance straight on through to carol out around 7 p.m. while there are some rests in there. Um, But this happens, you know, both weekend days, three days on Thanksgiving weekend. And it's uh, quite tiring, but it's a great workout and a ton of fun. And I get to meet a lot of people and teach them how to dance which is nifty. I feel like I don't need to ask you any of the other five questions because we've learned a lot right there. (laughs) All right, real quick, what's your favorite movie of all time? Oh, I'm going to say Princess Bride, but that's that's a hard decision. Yeah, Great choice. And uh, what are you currently streaming? Like, what are you you currently binge watching? I I, I actually don't stream. I'm, I'm old school. We don't have any of that stuff. But what we do instead is we go to our local library and we check out DVDs. Uh, so I don't know if you're familiar with the old XKCD, The Cake is a Lie strip, but that's basically my life. You know, I go to the library and I get these things that everyone watched five years ago. And then the advantage of that <laughs> is that uh, I could just watch all of the seasons and I don't have to wait a year to find out what happened. And So right now I'm just getting into season two of Westworld, which is like, okay, you know, season one is sort of like, meh on plot but it was like you know the best larping experience you could ever 
imagine in, in science fiction. So that was pretty cool. You know, I'm into LARPing. Um, but it's, it's picking up in second season, so I think it's going to be okay. But don't spoil it. I think I have to ask you to define LARPing. Oh, you don't know what LARPing is. It's called live action role playing. And that's when you dress up and uh, pretend to be something. And usually I do a higher level of engagement than that. It's usually the people who I do these things with disdain the term LARPing and prefer something like historic recreation. But hey, you know, it's kind of the same idea. <laughs> that goes back to your, to the first question. I see. <laughs> yeah. All right. So when you're working, what is the worst thing that could happen that will distract you from what you're supposed to be doing? Maybe Josh starting to talk really loud on a phone conference because of I'm, I'm really good at t- tuning things out, but Josh talks about really interesting things, and then I just can't really stop myself from listening to him. Yeah, talk about Josh Koenig, one of the principals of Pantheon, correct? That's right, yeah. And other than a project that you are working on, what Drupal project are you currently most excited about or following closely or something like that? Uh, probably auto updates. Uh, I don't know if that counts as something that I'm not working on because I'm working on Composer and Core, which is a dependency of auto updates. But I think auto updates is, is going to be pretty cool. All right, fantastic. Uh, well, let's wrap things up. I, as always, I want to thank webenable.com and devpanel.com um, for continuing supporting the Drupal Easy podcast. You can uh, check them out at devpanel.com. If you want to hear more episodes of our podcast, you can go to drupaleasy.com slash podcast or search for Drupal Easy on Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere else. And I think that's it. So, Greg, thank you very much for your time. I'm actually really looking forward to your uh, presentation at Badcamp because just going through the slides, I I learned a a few tidbits here and there. So thank you for all of your time and work on this initiative. And please pass along everyone thanks to the rest of the team as well. Great. Thanks so much for having me on the Drupal Easy Podcast. All righty. We will see everybody on the next episode of the Drupal Easy Podcast. See ya! Woohoo!